The opinions expressed in the following video are not in their entirety endorsed by this podcast. They are instead Abortion the focus is of our murder. discussion today. This is your content warning. I think it is murder. I think um, for the abortionist more so than the woman. I think a lot of women don't necessarily know exactly how an abortion procedure is formed. I've had a girl even tell me that at 20 weeks, a baby is just a clump of cells and that's just not true. I, I do believe now there might be cases where you know, some women might be unaware of, of what, what's going on in an abortion. But by and large, I think, especially with the advent of the internet and so much education out there, many of them do know that the life that there's a life inside of them and they want to, to end that life whether they call it murder or not hard disagree mm -hmm. absolute disagree okay um i've definitely met a lot of teenage girls who grew up in our generation who believe that abortion is normal a fetus is a clump of cells and there is no human life in the womb they don't tell you when you go into an abortion consultation this is a child and this is a human life and that's what's going to be happening i have a hard time believing that if most women knew they were killing a child they would do that i don't think women in america are that malevolent. I, I think it's very irresponsible and very hurtful to say, oh, this woman's a murderer because she had an abortion. At least my personal experience, the people who worked there were very understanding. They let me know there is a child that, will, that could come out of you in nine months. Are you sure you want to do this? And I knew there was a child in my body. I knew I could have a child in nine months and I knew that that child can grow old and be their own person but I made that choice because I am allowed to have that choice. And especially you, you are a, a white man you, and you are not allowed to say what I can do with my body nor any of these other women who are able to carry a child. I think that's so even, dangerous. I think that's so dangerous to say that you can't say because of your sexuality, who you are as a male or female or how you believe as a religion, you can't define what's right and wrong. I think that's misguided. You can and we shouldn't take opinion. that into policy. I think what she's if saying child, is that whatever that your, your morality is, I think that you know folks are entitled that, that we have freedom of religion we have freedom from religion whatever your moral value is the issue is trying to turn that into legislation and putting well, it legislatively, on someone else. we legislate what's right and wrong all the time thinking even medically you know like for indigenous women they're two times as likely to die from pregnancy related complications who's responsible for that murder if she's forced to carry that baby well, I would be I would be all for working on legislation altogether where, you know, if the woman's been taken advantage of or if they've uh, incest situations or if her life's at risk, we, we can keep those options on the table. So all of a sudden, because she could potentially die, we'll make legislation where she can't abort that baby and all of a sudden you're pro-abortion? No, I'm not pro-abortion. I personally would not like her to choose that option. I think science so has come... No, 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 no. I think science has come a long way where that that's vastly not the case anymore within our medical community. And we need to continue to increase funding for those mechanisms to provide more research on how to keep the woman alive in those situations. What is the, is the end goal here that abortion be illegal and it be criminalized and removed as a resource forever from this country? Is that the... Illegal and unthinkable. Illegal and unthinkable. Yeah. So it is culturally... Culturally for women. We want women to have resources, first of all, to where they don't need an abortion. And then abortion for the abortionist is criminalized. So an abortionist could go to jail for performing it. Women should not be criminalized because at the end of the day, women are victims of abortion as well. Here's my question. Let's hear it. Can Christians or should Christians, either one, can or should, uh, and you can answer both, 
can Christians separate religious beliefs from political beliefs? Is there a world where those two things can, can or a hot button word, is there a place where those two things can coexist as separate entities? So there, let me answer this in two ways. First, there are a lot of people who would say that you can because of the separation of church and state. But the separation of church and state was designed so that no religious institution can rule the political systems. I would say that to make any decision as a, as a Christian, no matter what decision it is, your Christianity has to be tied to that. So you can be a Christian and a Democrat. You can be a Christian and a Republican. You can be a Christian and live under the Queen of England. I mean, I don't, it doesn't matter what your political system is, but you have to act according to that Christian system. I don't know if that answers your question, but that's kind well, of... I think it, I think it kind of gets you. I think, it, yeah, I think it kind of makes sense. I just I hear so I hear a lot of time because we're gonna we're gonna approach a topic tonight that's probably um, one of if not the most controversial that we've talked about on this particular podcast. And the reason I say that is because it is without a doubt the most politically charged topic that we've talked about uh, on this podcast for sure. And so the reason I say that is because I think a lot uh, of Christians would say, no, you have to believe one political way or another in order for those ideals to line up as, quote unquote, Christian. Right. Um, you know, you yeah. cannot be a Christian and support what X, Y, Z political parties support. And I don't necessarily agree with that philosophy. I agree with what you're saying, that I think your personal beliefs and morals and values um, a lot of those are generally derived from your religious beliefs, play a role in your decision making as far as what you value, what you vote for, and that sort of sense. Um, but I, I don't know that I, I would say that uh, your political beliefs and your religious beliefs have to be tied to one another on all fronts. Well, um, I, so I would say the, the political beliefs that are rooted in a system of morality have to be defined by your, you know, your religious viewpoints because that's where you get your morality from. I got you. So, you know, there, there are some topics that we'll talk about politically that have a, a true moral uh, foundation. Right. And how you view morality will dictate that. Now, there are other views that aren't rooted necessarily in morality per se. Um, like, for example... Uh, right across the street from us, well, I guess down the street a couple miles, they're looking at building a subdivision. And they had a meeting last night to talk about whether or not they should build a subdivision. My religious views don't have an impact. That's a political decision. Right. My religious views don't have an impact on whether or not they build the subdivision. But, yeah. if, they, but if they wanted to, um, oh, I don't know, if, if they wanted to host a community concert and the community concert was going to feature bands that were going to be, you know, naked on stage doing all kinds of crazy stuff. The most yeah, popular band in town. Yeah. Uh, but that, then my political views would dictate how I felt about that. I got you. I don't know if that makes a lot of sense. No, like that, like like. It, it all makes, it all makes kind of perfect sense to me. I think one of the things I go to is, uh, uh, I think Christians get really worked up about certain things politically and they blame it on their religion, but they don't get as worked up about things uh, 
in religion that they maybe should. So, for example, a lot of people will will cause a huge stink about uh, uh, gay marriage, right? Mm-hmm. And they'll claim that uh, because of my religious beliefs, I can't support gay marriage, and they'll go after that. But they very rarely um, will call out the person sitting next to them uh, who's who's lying or gossiping or or something along those lines. And so I just kind of wanted to ask that, kind of get us kickstarted into what we're going to talk about today. Because if you've already seen the clip or listened to it uh, before this whole thing started, you will know that we're going to talk about the topic of abortion. Uh, abortion is an incredibly hot button topic right now, both politically and religiously. Uh, for those of you that are joining us for the first time, you picked a great episode to join us for the first time. This is the Content Warning Podcast. This is a Bible Meets Culture podcast where we break down biblical content versus modern theology. And we're going to try our best tonight to stay within the realm of that. We're not going to offer political arguments for either side as far as whether you're pro-abortion or not. As always, I'm Nathan. This is Joshua. And I always introduce our guests. And it just feels wrong for me to introduce the guest with us today. So Joshua, I want you to introduce this stranger sitting next to you. Well, I was hoping that we could have on the podcast, Kayla and Chelsea, which Chelsea is Nathan's wife. Right. uh, It'd be a wives take over the podcast kind of thing. But this is my bestest buddy. This is my wife, Kayla. And Kayla is a registered nurse. She went to Freed Hardeman and got a BA in nursing or BS in nursing. And uh, she's been a nurse ever since, and she's done a lot of different things in that. She's been a, 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 a med surge nurse. She's been a step town unit nurse. She's worked at a pain center. And now here in a couple of weeks, she'll be moving to a surgery center. So she's uh, very, very, very smart. She's way prettier than I deserve. And uh, I am just very, very blessed to call her my wife. Hello. I agree with that in the sense that she's better than wow. you deserve. Introduction. Whew. Well, it probably didn't work. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Well, and I tell you, this is this is all kind of interesting, too, because you had talked about wanting both of our wives on. And this is a topic that uh, I think is is a little bit more personal for me than it might be for y'all, just because my oldest son is two. uh, Right. And my youngest son is six days old. So my wife is currently not available to record this for us today because she is. (laughs) Yeah, She's to, her body went through a lot of trauma. So she, it's, it's <laughs> impressive. It, I'm going to say something that's going to get me a lot of flack. Uh, it is absolutely 100% one of the most impressive things you can witness to watch childbirth. But people that say that that site is beautiful, um, I think are crazy. I, there's nothing that is pretty about what goes on in that. I'm going to spare by the details because if I talk too in-depth, we're going to get kicked off of Spotify and YouTube for <laughs> violating community guidelines or something. So anyway, it's it, it's all really interesting to me. But uh, we want to approach this topic, uh, right? This idea of abortion um, and, and specifically the clip that uh, we played right before this, uh, the question was asked. For those of you that don't know what that was, that was a segment from a YouTube channel called Jubilee. It's a segment that they do called uh, Middle Ground. They purposely bring in people on opposite viewpoints uh, of all sorts of different topics. And the whole video, I think, was like 25 or 27 minutes long. It's a really good conversation. Um, but you could go back and watch that. Um, you can find that on YouTube, no problem. But the question that was asked is, is abortion murder? 
And in that particular video, you had uh, pro-life activists versus pro-abortion activists. And I use that term very specifically because I've caught flack in the past um, for for saying that I believe God is pro-choice. And, and the reason is kind of leading into this is this is a politically charged topic, right? You hear the terms pro-life, you automatically think one thing. You hear the term pro-choice, you automatically think another thing. I personally believe that God is incredibly pro-choice in the sense that God likes you to have the ability to choose. Um, I think that there are some choices that are more and less acceptable uh, in his eyes, but I have no problems with saying that God is pro-choice in that definition. Now, I won't say that God is pro-abortion, um, which kind of leads us back into this idea is, is abortion murder? Um, Joshua, I think this whole topic, and we're trying to, we're, we're talking about several different aspects of this topic, but I think this whole topic really boils down to is what do you believe about the value of, of life uh, and where that life begins, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's a big question in philosophy about where does when does life begin and what defines life? And uh, you can go back and forth on a lot of different planes with that. Um, there, there's a question, too, in ethics about the right to life. Uh, mm-hmm. do, do, does everything have a right to life or a right to live? And right. there's, on the other hand, there's a question about the right to death. So you think about doctor-assisted suicide, euthanasia, things like that. Do people have Did a right? You? Yeah. Do people have a right to die or, and do people have a right to live? Right. And so we, we, I think, would affirm that human beings have a right to life, that because you are a human and that is a different plane than any other creative thing in this world, that human beings, because they are humans, have a right to life. Mm-hmm. And so the question then is, if a human has to, has a right to life, what defines a human? Is it that fetus that is in the womb, or is it the baby when it takes its first breath? And another issue is the issue of personhood. Uh, how do you attribute personhood or humanity to yeah. something? So those are the big questions we have to work through from a philosophical angle. Now, Kayla and I were talking about this kind of before the podcast and uh, she's, you know, I, I'm a philosophy guy. I'm kind of a, uh, the, I'm the guy who, you know, is fluid and tangent and uh, right. malleable and all that with my ideas. Kayla is a very scientific person. Uh, she, she thinks in pretty structured ways. And so she was coming at it from a scientific perspective. So I'm going to let her talk about that. You have to think about, okay, what makes something alive? Mm-hmm. This just goes back to basic biology. The thing of what makes something alive is its ability to reproduce. So humans obviously can reproduce, right? And so can dogs, cats, leopards, lizards, bacteria. So that's kind of like where it comes from with basic biology. Now, the other question that you had is um, when does something become to life? Mm-hmm. Well, it's obviously at conception. I mean, people will argue that it's, you know, when the baby takes its first breath. See, or when heartbeat. A, or heartbeat. When the I don't know, when the um when the mother when of course when conception happens, the mother's body makes its own special organ, the placenta, 
and the placenta provides nutrients to the baby that causes the baby to grow. And and what? <laughs> You're doing good. <laughs> well, I, so, I, the fact that like, it makes its own organ it and that there's a process or- in the there's organ. There's a process within the organ that like it causes the baby to live. Yeah. And yeah. But I think the root of it now, this is uh, this I'm probably opening up another can of beans. That's fine. There is there's so much technology now. There's so much things that we can look at. The baby smiling, the baby moving. Like it's it's pretty obvious that it's alive. Like you cannot yeah. say the baby is not alive or zygote right. or fetus. I think it all just boils down to I feel like the world is very messed up. I feel like selfishness is a big part of it. Yeah. In the world. Well, there's there's we'll get, we'll get to that too. Um because like all the can of beans. Well, so we'll and we'll get to that too, because uh, those are I think what we refer to those as, as hard cases. Uh, and I think Christians might handle those uh, kind of poorly uh, in some instances. But so I found a couple of these things, right? So this is uh, this idea of when does life begin? This is the word life uh, as used in most uh, abortion type conversations is, and I must say this very carefully, organismic mm-hmm. right? state characterized by the capacity for metabolism, growth, reaction to stimuli and reproduction. Okay. Uh, Princeton released, uh, uh, this was a, an academic journal article from Princeton.edu, uh, talks about how human development begins at the union of the male and female uh, germ cells, which is known as fertilization, which is the very first developmental stage. So all of life, by that definition that I just read, can be classified as starting at that point where those two things meet. And that's not from any sort of religious textbook. That is is as academically solid as you can put forth an argument. And so... Right. When you have one cell combining with another cell right. producing an organism, it's reproducing itself. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like it's... It's a living being. Right. But see, here's, here's the thing, though, from a philosophical standpoint. Very few people argue that life doesn't begin prior to birth. There are some there that are the pro-choice or pro-abortion, if we want to use that term, who right. do argue that, but very few do. And even in the clip, there was one lady who had had an abortion who right. said, when I went in the clinic, they told me there is a child in you and in nine right. months, that child will be born and this child could be the next president of the United States or whatever. Like, are you sure you want to terminate this pregnancy? And right. by the way, words, words matter. And the word terminate, right. is, you know, it, it's, it's a, a nuance of ending something. Right. right? So I, I don't want to push the matter so hard as to say, well, the issue of abortion has to do with when life begins. Because that doesn't seem to be an issue e- anymore. Even now in legislature for states, the heartbeat bill that's been passed, which I think is a great thing, um, you know, people still want to terminate that uh, that being yeah. prior to that heartbeat, but it's still a living being, and people yeah. agree with that, and people well, know that. Well, that's kind of like how I was saying earlier. I think, I think people's morale, especially in today's world, is just completely off the grid with Christianity. I don't think they care. I think people just want to do what they want to do. 
And that's kind of what, cause like, I mean, that, that girl said, yes, I know there was a baby inside of me and I went and got it. And she, of course she didn't say the word killed terminated anyways. And to me, I just can't fathom, like, how could someone think that's okay? Yeah. Well, so like, well, what what gets even crazier is, uh, you know, I was before I, I found this this Jubilee clip. Actually, I found a, a very abbreviated version of it on TikTok, right? Which maybe go find the actual video. Um, but it's actually the word disturbing doesn't actually really doesn't actually even begin to to touch on the amount of content that is on social media of young women who are very ready to joke um about abortion is is really alarming actually like how how culture has created this thing that lacks any sort of sympathy or empathy or moral about it whatsoever that it's literally just a it's something that has far-reaching repercussions but culture almost seems to treat it as simple as you know purchasing a new cell phone um or buying a house or a car or you know, having my appendix removed or my wisdom teeth taken out or whatever the case may be. It's just another thing that I may or may not have to deal with. Um, and so I think that poses a really big problem, kind of like you were saying, Kayla, from a from a cultural standpoint. And so um, I, I think that there is th- that now there, there are a few. In fact, there's actually a, a recent clip that kind of uh, I think it was was it Kentucky that passed a, a heartbeat bill recently. Um, Maybe I don't know. Well, Kentucky, I think Kentucky passed them recently. Oklahoma, I think, was a big one. Texas, I think, was right. a big one. And there were several clips of those different sessions that uh, had Congress people um, standing up in session about these bills and referring to these fetuses, these souls as just clumps of cells that have no real true medical yeah, cells value. Have life. Like you have cells in you right now that give you life that transport oxygen to your tissues and to your brain causing you to have opinions. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I think that's, if we're moving away from the where life begins argument, and this is where I think that it can be really tricky, especially for Christians that want to talk about these sort of things is I think it moves more into a, valuing of life or what you classify as life because i think we live in a culture that scientifically there's a definition for it um but culturally we don't have to abide by that definition right either i value life or i don't and i think a lot of people would say well it's not that simple it's much more nuanced than that but at the same time they want to draw a different definition of what life is, right? Whether you draw life at conception or the heartbeat or the first breath or whatever the case may be. Um, I think there's another issue there too. And it's how, how we respond to or how we interpret action and consequence. Um, Because, you know, people want to go out and do what they want to do. And if there is a consequence of that action, so for example, somebody wants to have, unprotected sex without birth control or or anything like that. And I'm not saying that even if you have protected sex or use birth control, that a pregnancy can't happen. It's unlikely, but I mean, 
anything's possible. So that aside, but you want to you want to go out and do that, uh, and and you're not protecting yourself against anything. Well, then there comes a pregnancy, and you wonder, well, what what am I going to do? Because now I have to deal with the consequence of my action. Right. And for a lot of people, the, I don't want to generalize, but when people uh, when ladies get abortions or, or think about getting an abortion, it's predominantly because they can't handle the consequence of the action. They think that it's going to ruin their lives. If they have the baby, they're not going to be able to excel in a career. They're not going to have the money for it, or it's, it's an unhealthy decision for them to have the baby. Um, So action and consequence, but there's also, again, that question of, well, what about the baby? The baby isn't, the baby is the product of an action that it didn't bring about. Right. And so should it, should that, should that life, which we've, I think, established rightly that it is a life, right. so should that life have to pay for the action of someone, of someone else? Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. I think it's one of those things where a lot of people are, um, and you can throw whatever term around you want. Uh, and and I, I don't like, again, I'm kind of like you, I don't like drawing broad generalizations because there are, um, minority, but there are instances, and we'll talk about uh, what we refer to as hard cases, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I do think that you're right. I think a lot of it is, and and I looked up a lot of statistics on this, um, and there are some from a secular standpoint, right? I'm not saying I agree with this, but I'm saying from a secular standpoint, there are uh, lots of percentages of reasons that from society's viewpoint would be deemed as acceptable to not have a child. Um, I think it's at somewhere in the realm of like 92 to 96%. I know that's a large you know, gap there, but 92 to 96% of abortions are all done um, prior to like 16 weeks. Um, so, and I think actually the larger percentage of those are actually done even before like 12 weeks. Um, but the majority of, of those who receive abortions are doing so out of some form of kind of like you were saying, Joshua, not wanting to deal with the consequences, either financial instability, um, my way of life changing so much, uh, health concerns because I've got uh, diabetes or, uh, you know, um, in fact, there's actually a very small percentage, but there's actually um, a very small percentage of women who have decided on abortions because they currently have AIDS. And so they didn't want to uh, go through with a, a birth in that sense. And so, uh, but I think a lot of that, and again, I think we handle it incorrectly um, sometimes because I think Christians, and not all, but I think that there are some Christians out there that handle decisions like this incredibly poorly. And I think we talked a little bit about this. If you go back and you watch, I think it was episode two, actually, that we did. Um, it was a podcast called uh, People or People. Right. We, we, we take some of these things that, that religiously we view as unacceptable and, and we paint a much larger, harsher stroke on them than we do things that are just as unacceptable in God's eyes, um, but maybe don't carry the same sort of impact as um, something like this. And so we're really quick uh, or some Christians are really quick to say, well, you're a murderer, you're selfish, you're, you're, you know, you're you're doing all these things just because you don't want to give up your way of life. You shouldn't have done this. You should have done that. Um, And I think very rarely do Christians with that mentality ever take a, a second to sit down 
and think about, and again, I'm not trying to justify the action that's taking place, but I do think that there is room for Christians to sit down and try to empathetically understand the mindset that somebody has to be in to make a decision that drastic. Yeah, it's it's not an easy decision to make. And I, my heart goes out to people who feel like they're facing this decision. You know, it, it's... Uh, I don't remember the statistic and again, painting in broad generalizations, but the statistics prove this. Your demographic for people who get abortions are predominantly low income inner city women and high school, and, and high school girls, too. Yeah. And, and so there's there's been there's something that's taken place. There's a consequence and you're you're having to wrestle with how you're going to how you're going to do that. There mm-hmm. is an element for Christians where we need to respond to this, like Paul says in Ephesians, to speak the truth in love. We want to speak truth, but we want to do it in love. And we want to extend grace to those people and know that uh, if if you've done this, you can be forgiven of that and you can live a repented life. Or if you're facing that decision, you can. There are other options, first of all. And uh, who's to say that you won't be blessed by bringing a new life into the world. Right. You know, there, there are a lot of different ways to look at it besides just trying to uh, kind of sweep the mistake under the rug, so to speak. Yeah, I think we could point fingers all day long at people saying that they're going to hell, they're sinning, but that's not going get, to get people anywhere. Right. I think that, you know, like with them passing the heartbeat bill, that maybe instead of just passing it, maybe providing more education for women, maybe mm-hmm. more access to um, more birth control, more affordable birth control, even free birth control. Because, I mean, birth control is overall 99% effective, the pill is. IEDs are like 999 Right. Those are like 70%. And people are going out, and you can preach all day long to not have premarital sex. People are going to have sex. I mean, they will. You can't stop it. Yeah. Well, and we've talked about like, this on the podcast before, you know, long gone are the days of preachers standing in the pulpit and yelling at people. Yeah. It, That's not going to get you anywhere. But so what we have to do is we have to show people, first of all, that there's a better way. You have to change people's minds on how they think. And you do that by having conversations like this, right? And equipping people with what to, what to, and by the way, talking about the heartbeat bill, for example, right. I, I'm all for it. I, I think it's a great thing. But you can't legislate morality. Legislation, and this was a a thing brought out in the clip. Legislation makes laws all day long that are immoral laws. And, you know, I tell my students at Faulkner for the Christian ethics class, the law is the moral uh, minimum. Yeah. Like it's, it's not the umbrella. It's the minimum that you can build off of. Well, and so that was, that was the case too. If you go on your back and you watch the video, other than the clip that, that we just played before this, uh, I think the very last question that they were asked is abortions will continue to happen regardless of legislation. Uh, every single one of the people said they agreed with that statement. Um, I think anybody that doesn't agree with that statement is, uh, I'm going to be harsh, but it's quite frankly, just naive. Um, and, and is either is either incredibly naive or is eternally optimistic of people in general, which may be considered as completely naive. Um, yeah, but I will say this, though, and I don't disagree with you, but I will say this. Um, that's one excuse that a pro-abortionist use 
to keep abortion legal. Right. They say if you make right. it illegal, people are just going to do it anyways, and they're going to do it by non-certified people or by people who aren't doctors, and there's going to be a lot more harm than good done by that. They're, they call them back alley abortions that were popular right. in the 50s and 60s before right. abortion was legal. And uh, the, the fact is the, the back alley abortions that happened in the 50s and 60s, really more of the 60s, Right. Were the numbers of that were are incredibly inflated. There were there were not very many of those taking place. That doesn't mean they weren't taking place, but there right. weren't as many. So I'm in full agreement. You can outlaw it all you want to. I mean, we've outlawed drugs and people still do drugs, you know what I mean? So yeah. it, well, it's, gonna, it's, it's gonna yeah, happen. So with the heartbeat bill, there needs to be other types of legislation involved to try to help women with where they're at. Like, I agree like with that. this is what I have an unpopular belief. But I don't think, you know, they should completely shut down Planned Parenthood. Like, I mean, of course, they do other things besides just abortions. They do pap smears. They provide other types of services for women, which I think is great, except for the abortion part. So, and that's just what, yeah. you know, like you say, okay, well, you can't have abortion within six. Why can't we just start with like tier one? and completely just try to prevent the pregnancy from even happening. So you're not going in and make a detrimental decision where there's like a certain statistic of women having super horrible depression after the abortion, suicide rates, people, people, some people, some women just go crazy. after There's, there's, there's a, there's a lot. um, And I can't, I can't cite all of it, obviously in this video, but there is, there's so much data out there. There's an overwhelming amount of study and statistical information um, of what they refer to as uh, abortion guilt. Um, a lot, if not, I forget exactly what the percentage is, but it's an incredibly high percentage of women after an abortion deal with what is essentially postpartum depression. Yeah. Um you know, and it's it's different only in the sense of you terminated a pregnancy versus, you know, having uh, a baby. And so but it's really equivalent to the same. The suicide rate is significantly higher amongst yes. abortion victims. Well, even among fathers, even yeah. the father of the baby, because the woman can just go walk into in a clinic, get an abortion, not tell the father. And that right. leaves the father in a horrible place of what if the dad wanted to keep the baby? That's the father's child, too. So it's just well, that, that, that primary yeah. prevention needs to be key. Primary and prevention. And that goes back to the, the whole value of life. Because I think a lot of times what we talk about when we value life is we value the life of that unborn child, right? Um, you've got, Kayla, you've kind of hit on the idea of valuing life to the sense of, okay, the mother's life is now drastically different. The father's life is now drastically different. Um there, there are so many people that this affects aside from just the unborn child um, that you've chosen to to abort. And so I think that is something that we very rarely think about. Um, I think when it comes to this idea of arguments that are used, I think a lot of them, and again, I, I said we weren't going to get, we were going to do our best not to get like really, really political about this. But I think a lot of these things are um, what are referred to as, as red herring arguments. And the only reason I bring that up is because I think one of the things that you hear a lot um, when it comes to abortion, you come to this idea of value. I think a lot of times Christians are so amped up um, 
to defend their their faith, right? To defend, uh, well, you know, abor- uh, abortion is murder, and we've got to respect life more than that. You're killing babies, and and all these things. And I think a lot of times Christians are hit with something like this. Okay, so what about rape and incest? What about this, that, and the other? You know, what about those what we refer to as hard cases when it comes to abortion? Oh, so I have um, another opinion about that. Well, okay. So this is what I think is really interesting. Well, no. So this this is what I think is really interesting too. And again, I'm trying to stay a little bit away from the political sphere here, but these are these are what I like to call red herrings, because I think a lot of times what happens with that is Christians try to place themselves on the higher uh, moral ground, right? The moral high ground in situations like this. And somebody comes after you and says, "Well, what about rape? What about incest?" And Christians, in my opinion, not all, but most, maybe not even most, but a lot of Christians handle this the wrong way because they want to stay on that moral high ground and they will say something and I'm going to be blunt and I'm going to be honest again and we might disagree and that's fine. My sleeves are up. I don't care. Most Christians will respond by saying something incredibly insulting and incredibly stupid, and they will say, well, it was just God's will that that lady got raped or that whatever happened, and that that drives me crazy personally, um, and we can disagree about this if you want. That's fine, uh, but I think that these are red herrings in the sense of it's literally, it, to me, it's just an argument to try to shift the viewpoint and make it a morality issue or try to get you off your balance because you could eat 99 times out of 100, 99 times out of 100, you could say, okay, for example, if you were to write legislation that says, okay, we will make exceptions for rape and incest, can we make all other abortions illegal? They're still not going to say yes to that question. And so if you're still not going to say yes to that, you've got no right bringing that up as a defense for what you're trying to accomplish. Um, But it does drive me up a wall when a Christian will say, well, it was just God's will that that lady got raped and, and became pregnant as a result of that. I don't believe that's even remotely accurate. Um, well, you and I have similar <laughs> we have similar theological beliefs on what God's will might mean and how the sovereignty of God influences the what we do or don't do. And so that's a whole another conversation for another time. We're not going to get into that. <laughs> But I'm in full agreement because of that. I'm in full agreement with you. Christians really need to be careful about how we say things are God's will. Right. Because, you know, uh, like I remember not too long ago, a good friend of ours had uh, their, their baby die. And people would say things like, well, it was God's will or God just called his angel home or something like that. And you think you're being helpful. You think that you're saying something overly spiritual. And you're, you're actually being incredibly insulting. You're being incredibly insulting and you're wrong. You are wrong. Sometimes bad things just happen. Preach. Right? Well, there's so, also Satan in the world too. People well, forget Satan. Yeah, that's that's true. And and sometimes bad things just happen to people. That's just the way things are. So I'm in full agreement. Just don't say that because you're wrong. Yeah. Um, now, as far as far as like rape and incest go right those are terrible things yeah i don't think any of the three of us would say that those are good things 
Um, but how how a life is created do, should not lessen the validity of the life. Yeah, because it wasn't the baby's fault. Like, it's mm-hmm. not the child's fault. Like, let's put the blame on the rapist. Like, you know, capital punishment. Like, they could be castrated or killed. Yeah, right. rapists go to jail for, what, a few years? You know, like, why can't there be more support for the woman that goes through that or even having an adoption set up? Right. Like, why does the child have to pay for the acts of someone evil? Yeah. Like, why do we have to put the rapist in, in jail for two years and then kill the child that had nothing to do with it? It was actually kind of interesting. I've never actually heard this until I watched this video, right? This was part of part of the, the, the longer version of the video that we showed before this. They actually asked this question. They're like, uh, I think the question was phrased as abortion should be available for victims of, of rape and incest. Interestingly enough, two of the what they refer to as the pro-life advocates on that one was a result of rape. One was pregnant and lost the baby naturally as a result of rape, um, both of which were, were pro-life people. And I've never heard this referred to as this way, but it was the idea of when you abort a child that is the result of violence you are continuing this needless circle of violence right you're just following one violent act with another um, which oftentimes will result in more scarring uh than than the first one yeah i don't Um, think that solves the problem kind of like what you said that doesn't you know just terminating the presidency i don't think solves kind of like what you said like why would you why would you take violence and return it with more violence? Yeah. You know? Well, and so this is, we, we kind of talked a little bit about this with Adam. Uh, when we talked about the idea of the, the whole idea of people being people. Um, a lot of times, and again, this is why I think that it's really unfortunate because I think either one, like I said, I think Christians end up saying something that's incredibly dumb. Um, I don't believe it's ever God's will that somebody gets raped. I don't think it's God's will that a woman gets pregnant as a result of that rape. Um, but I do not want to diminish what God has the ability to accomplish through said child. Um, and so we talked a little bit about this idea of, of people being people. Either Christians say something dumb or they get so gung-ho about defending what they believe to be right that they forget sometimes the idea of compassion and grace and empathetic understanding toward some of these really hard situations. Um, And so that's why I I sometimes have mixed feelings when you're talking with people who've had abortions. For example, um, lady that I worked with when I I lived in Tupelo loved her kids. Um, As a youth minister in Tupelo, she was like a dream parent. They had six kids. Um, You know, that was, you always like those, the, the, the family that likes having, having children. Um, but that was a conversation that she always got really fired up about and come to find out it was because when she was 15 years old, uh, she made a mistake. She got pregnant and she had every intention of keeping that child. And it was her mother that forced her and drug her to a clinic and and basically forced her to, to go through with uh, an abortion. And she struggled with the morality of that for an incredibly long oh, time. Lord. Yeah. Um, you know, that's why still, primary prevention just has yeah. to like, well, and that's, you know, she, she still, you know, has this idea for the longest time she struggled about was 
was God going to hold that against me? And I think when we, that's difficult. Exactly. Right. It's a hard case. And so it's one of those things that uh, I think when we get really caught up in saying, well, no, this is horrible. How could you, how selfish could you be? That's the worst possible thing you could ever do. I think sometimes we unintentionally demean the situations of people like that. Sure. Yeah. So the, the class I teach at Faulkner is Christian ethics and all of my students have to take, or they have to write a paper and that's like their big grade. And they have to take a um, ethical issue and write a paper about it. And they have to go through certain steps and come down on a conclusion. And a lot of them choose abortion because that's, well, to be honest, like it's a it's a rough thing, but it's an easy topic to write about because there's so much out there on the topic right. on both sides. And they have to look at both sides and argue from both sides and come down. Especially for an undergrad. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like last semester, uh, they I had two students who just copied and pasted off of Wikipedia. So they, oh, they got guys. zeros, but anyways. Guys. Well, with regarding abortion. You dropped the zeros. Yeah, that wasn't good. But regarding abortion, oh. they um, – Every student, without exception, this last semester said, I believe abortion is wrong, except in cases of race of rape and incest. Right. And I I had to really uh, take off a lot of points. Right. Because what makes rape and incest an, ethic, an ethical allowance for that? Right. Because even though that in itself is unethical, um, the the way in which life happens does not diminish the value of the life. And so if you assert, which they did, that personhood starts in the womb and that life starts in the womb, then uh, and of course, we're doing this from a biblical perspective and, and you right. can argue that then if that is true, even in cases of rape and incest, you can't right. terminate the life. Right. Well, and I think that's one of the things that uh, I think we talked about with Adam, right? Um, this concept of, uh, you know, go back and watch the video, by the way. It's the, I think it's episode two. It's called People Are People. We talked in depth about this idea or this mindset that homosexuality is a choice. You know, I don't ever remember actively making a choice of being attracted to one thing or another. Um, but we made the point, we made the point, even if, you are biologically predispositioned to be attracted to the same sex, God set a standard in place, right? And I think the same has to apply here. Even if you went through something that was horrible, that was, for most people, unimaginable, that nobody would wish on another person, no sane person would wish on another person, it cannot be an exception to the standard that God has put into place, which is a value of human life. Um, one that is made in his image, one that has the ability to accomplish great things, one that he cares and loves the same as he cares and loves for you and me. And I think a lot of times it becomes easier in those situations, one, because we feel like morally we're still in a good place, right? Because we've been either trained by culture or our rational thinking or our emotional thinking would say, well, no, no decent human being would say that somebody who was raped and got pregnant has to have that kid, right? That, you know, the amount of trauma there is too great. Um, 
But the other part of that is, is I think for us, it's easier to justify because you're talking about ending a, what I like to refer to as an unfathomable, unfathomable. I told you guys it's I'm dude. It's six days in man. I, my baby brain is in full, full wire, but it's unfathomable, fathomable life versus life. Like you and I have the idea of we have an identity. You can touch us. You can see us. You can hear us. And you can't with a baby that's still in the womb, right? You haven't assigned that thing, uh, their term, not mine, but you cannot assign that fetus an identity, despite the fact that it has its already own genetic code where its hair color, its eye color, its height, uh, its bone structure, all of those things, um, blood type, heartbeat, lung development, all those things are already in place but it's easier to justify because we can't see it and, and because we still feel like we're in a good place morally uh, if we look decent and we make those exceptions. We've defined what life is. We've defined what uh, personhood is. You know, we've, we've talked about that at length. But I think another thing is you have to define what murder is. Mm-hmm. And murder from a biblical perspective is the unjustified taking of innocent life, which is different than killing. Right. So it's the unjustified taking of innocent life. Well, people may argue that abortions are justified for whatever reason, but it is still the taking of innocent life. Right. And that's the key part of murder. What did that baby do wrong? So, well, I mean, the the question that the clip that we're reviewing, that's the question. Is abortion murder? Is abortion murder? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I would ask someone that said, no, it's not, and be like, okay, what, what do you think murder is? Like, in your definition, how would you describe murder? And if they say it's the taking of someone's, like, the intent, it's like, well, yeah. could you please explain to me how you don't think going inside a woman, taking instruments to cut out a living human being right is not murder like please please yeah. you know help me to understand what you're thinking yeah so we we've kind of hit all around this but for let's for for just a couple of minutes here let's kind of think about from a because we've talked about talking about this biblically and not necessarily politically but biblically where do you find that defense for and the reason i bring this up is because i find this really interesting and i forget exactly what the reference is so forgive me for being that guy um, but, uh, I went through, I happened to find a video of a, of a woman who listed all these things, um, that, uh, are not technically in the Bible and therefore should not be considered a sin. Um, and one of the things that she listed specifically was abortion. Uh, and she is correct. The word abortion does not appear anywhere, uh, in, in the Greek new Testament or anywhere in the old Testament in, in Hebrew or Aramaic. Um, she did reference a particular verse, and Joshua, you might be able to think of this off the top of your head. I cannot. Um, but she referenced a particular verse in the Old Testament that talked about a common verse that she claimed all Christians reference in forms to abortion, which is where a man is being uh, given the death penalty for killing a pregnant lady. 
Um, and, and therefore, that is uh, considered uh, why the, the Bible speaks on why abortion is bad. Her argument is, is that the man was given the death penalty for killing the woman, not the baby. Uh, the fact that she was referenced there as being pregnant is indifference to what the law would have been at the time. Um, yeah, I would just say uh, read the context because in in that I, I, like I like you say I, I can't off the top of my head say where it's from I, I need to look um, but there is also there, there's also in that same context a passage that speaks of if a pregnant woman is hit in the stomach and the baby is born if the baby's born fine then the person doesn't owe anything like they don't have right. to do anything if the baby's born with uh, deformities or born dead then the the person has to pay a certain price. Um, I don't think they have to, they don't have to die, but they have to pay some kind of price. And it was a, a big price. And then if the, if the woman dies while pregnant, then, then you're punished uh, by death. Right. I think that's how it goes. But, and people will say, well, the person didn't have to die, even though the baby was born dead or with deformities. Okay. Fair enough. But, that person still had to pay a huge price that could probably ruin that person financially or whatever. I mean, there is a punishment in place for something that's going to happen. And the fact that there's a punishment means that God is trying to deter this from happening. That's why right. you put punishments in laws. Yeah, it's Exodus 21, by the way. Sorry, I was, I was looking go. it up. Exodus 21, verses 21, really through 25. Um, there's a reference here. It says, uh, when, uh, let me see. Yeah. Uh, when men get into a fight, if they hit a pregnant woman so that her child are born prematurely, but there is no injury, then the one who hit her must be fined as the woman's husband demands from him. And he must pay according to the judicial assessment. If there is an injury, you must give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, so on and so forth. And again, I think her argument was, um, that uh, if if you have to take life for life, it would be because he ended up killing the woman, not not the baby. Um, which again, kind of goes back to your point. Sorry, Ashley. Hey, what what verses are those? Because I want to I want to show something real quick. That was what version you said I was. Reading? That was in, Exodus twenty one. What Exodus twenty one. Uh, that started in verse 22. That was giving laws for slaves. And actually the context of it, I think starts like back in verse 20 or 19, maybe I already exited out. See, this is, this is what happens when you come to a podcast unprepared folks. We're not unprepared. We're just, uh, well, it's just about personal just like, injury starting in verse 12. Okay. So here's the, here's the thing about it. Right. The subject of this passage is, you know, it says if men, this is verse 22, if men fight and hit a pregnant woman and her child is born prematurely. And then right. verse 23 says, but if there is serious injury, that mm -hmm. is referring to the child linguistically, not to the woman. Right. And so you get a little technical with the language here, but yeah, the, an we, the, antecedent, the antecedent is the child. Okay. So that's who we're talking about. So this is why we have you around. Learn, learn Hebrew woman who wrote the article. <laughs> That's it, right? I mean, if you just learn the language, oh man, goodness gracious. Yeah, come on, people. Really? <laughs> 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 <I mean. laughs> but I do think that that's kind of interesting because like you talked about the Bible, if we can all agree, and again, sometimes we can, most of the time we can't, sometimes we can't, if we can all agree um, that the Bible or, or that, 
life begins at conception. Uh, from a religious standpoint, there's all sorts of verses that you can point to about why life is valued in the Bible. Yeah, so um, I would say this. This is what I tell my students in right. Christian ethics. Take out that passage. Take out Jeremiah 1 about, you know, before you were right. uh, in your mother's womb, I knew you and all that stuff. Take out all those verses. What you will find is that God always, always values human life. Mm-hmm. Always. Even in the war text, even in the uh, the annihilation text, even in the uh, in the Psalms where we talk about bashing babies against the rock, which, by the way, that's poetry and hyperbole. It's not literal. Right. Um, but God always right. values human life because life is in the image of God. And right. so that's key. You know, you, you can't look at human life without looking at an image of God. I agree. Um, one of the things that I think is really interesting is because we're talking about and we're trying, we're doing our very best, right, to, to talk about this. If you want to talk about this solely from a political standpoint, it'd be a much longer podcast. Um, but interestingly enough, I actually looked this up and I did not write down the number um, that uh, that popped up on the screen. But I was looking this up when you were talking about the demographics around um, women who get abortions, right? Hmm. Um overwhelming majority uh, and i don't know that i'll be able to find yeah i can't find the link obviously now um overwhelming majority of the women who get abortions from this one particular study that i googled right and it was from um i don't remember maybe it was it was planned parenthood it was a medical organization that posted it um and now i really wish i could i, I could get it because i want to be able to cite this but the overwhelming majority of here we go yeah planned parenthood uh, the overwhelming majority of those women who got abortions, one, are 20 to 29 years of age. That makes up over 60% of total abortions. Um, interestingly enough, 40%. So I said overwhelming majority. That was incorrect. 40% of abortions from women in this particular study by Planned Parenthood had no religious affiliation whatsoever. Um, ironically, I say ironically, interestingly enough, um, evangelicals made up 12%. Uh, Roman Catholics actually make up 25% of abortions, which to me actually makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I don't the, think it's surprising because Roman Catholics don't believe in the, in using birth control. And so if yeah, it results, but so if it results yeah. in an unplanned pregnancy, Right. And again, I'm coming at this from a theological standpoint, unplanned right. pregnancy, you go get an abortion and then you go to confession and say you're Hail Mary's and I'm not trying to yeah, make but, fun. That's what you do. And then right. you're completely yeah. forgiven and you can go do it again. Right. So, right. And that's, and, and again, wasn't, that wasn't completely surprising to me too, but the idea that 40% of pregnancies are done by uh, those who have no religious affiliation, um, Actually, again, that, that makes a lot of sense yeah, to see, me. I would wonder how they would define religious affiliation. Are they talking about institutions? Are they saying that, you know, you believe in a higher power? That makes you... Well, okay, so when it, says, when it says no religious affiliation, according to this particular study that I pulled up, um, let me see here. Well, I can find it again. I'm just going through this. Okay, here we go. Um, the religious, it says religious affiliation. It has, uh, Malian Protestant, Evangelical Protestant, Roman Catholic, other, and none. Okay. 
Right. So those are the those are the categories that you can fall into. So you, you could technically be an agnostic. You could say, well, I believe there's something out there and you could put other. You're not known, Possibly. but you're not Protestant or Catholic. And so, Possibly. you know, it. that's mm-hmm. such a what's well, like we've said in almost every podcast, how you define your terms is so right. important to the. Yeah, I can I can win any argument you put in front of me if I get to define the terms. Yeah. I mean, that's, sure. and that's, that's really, and when you go back and you look at it again, we're wrapping up on time here. I don't want to get, again, I've said this probably, I feel like four or five times now, but without getting too political, a lot of what this argument boils down to is either side of the argument, trying to define their terms. Uh, if I define life as not beginning at conception, then I can make an argument for abortion, right? If I believe that life is born, if that's the definition that I'm going to go with, that life forms two weeks after because there are abortion laws out there that allow you to terminate a pregnancy of a baby outside the womb that's been born naturally up to like two days after, um, if I can define life as, you know, whatever uh it becomes a much more gray area but again uh it's just like i said a lot of this stuff is is very interesting to me and i I went back up here i wanted to bring this up just for a second because i was actually a little bit surprised at this the reasonings behind women uh choosing abortions actually was a little bit surprising to me because 25 percent of abortions according to this planned parenthood article were uh, the reasoning behind that was I'm not ready for another child for a or another child or the timing was wrong. 23% were I can't afford a child right now. 20% were uh, I have already completed my childbearing. So like the oops babies from way later people in life, which again, mm-hmm. all those things to me are just are interesting. I'm a stats person. That's just one of the things that my mind wraps itself around. And again, it's dangerous for me to be a stats person because statistics will tell you whatever you make them say. It goes back to what Kayla was saying earlier, you know, what's your motive behind it? And to a large degree, I want to say this in, in love and in compassion, right. but it, it's selfish. You know, you say, well, it's not the right time. Well, why isn't it the right time? Well, I'm not married. Okay. Um, I want to further my career. I want to finish school. And honestly, if the age group is what is what says between 20 and 29, they're finishing college and starting a career. And right. that's what that's what they're focused on. But you cannot throw the life of a human away because of your selfishness. Yeah. And it's not like you just woke up one day and just got pregnant like you willingly. Right had sex, unprotected sex. <laughs> it's true. No, no, I'm not, I'm not trying to laugh. I'm really not. It's not. Again, I'm not trying to demean what you're saying yeah, at all. And then I'm people act like they're the victim of pregnancy. Right. Like they're, they victimize themselves. It's like, and, well, you And to you be fair, this. there are victims you know? out there. Yeah, yeah but the percentage like we talked is low. About, but like, the, that's it's what I'm very saying. low. Yeah. Well, even if the percentage it's, is low, it's less, that doesn't... less than two percent. Less less than two percent of abortions that are done in the United States today are exactly um, right are or yeah. rape or incest victims. That I don't know nullify. Okay. nullify the rape or incest. Right. You know, you still have to deal with that. But I would say we deal with it right. the same way we deal with everything else because yeah. the means by which something happens doesn't equate 
the right. the solution or the the response. Yeah, I, I think the big thing for Christians to remember and to pay attention to is to one, you've got to be as respectful as possible. I know this sure. is again, this is one of those really, really politically charged topics because we're talking about the value of life. And so it gets into this idea of, well, whose life do we get to value? Is it the mother's? Is it the child's? Where does the uh, the the one that we didn't bring up and we can't really, I mean, we could if we wanted to, if you guys want to keep going, we're running a little bit short on time. But the one we didn't bring up is what happens when um, the mother's life is in you know immediate danger where you get into a scenario where right. okay, now the mother has to choose between either the baby or her life. Um, most people would argue that that technology has come to a point where that's generally not going to happen. Uh, and I don't wish that scenario on literally anybody at all. Um, I, I could not even begin to imagine how difficult a decision like that might be. Yeah. And um, that actually doesn't happen as much as it used to with like technology right. and like, you know, and also it's, I was thinking too, like, you have you heard an ecoptic pregnancy? I'm sure you have before. Where the um where the baby yes. so like the, yeah. the sperm attaches with the egg inside the fallopian tube it doesn't go to the right. uterus so right. which is incredible which is incredibly dangerous it's very rare yeah it's it, well it's rare and it's dangerous and so like let's say like I got pregnant and um I had an ecoptic pregnancy like mm. that like I would have to get a quote unquote abortion is that okay like mm. but yet the baby wouldn't live anyways right and it would cause me to die so would i just so from an ethics standpoint like this is how you answer that from an ethics standpoint it's like if you were uh if, if you were in a truck and the truck exploded and you could only save there's five people in the truck you could only save four and you'd have to sacrifice yourself what do you do well right most of us would say we sacrifice ourselves for the betterment of the four and in the same line of thinking, with with danger to if, if both lives are in danger, the question becomes which which life can you preserve to the least amount of detriment? And in right. that case, usually that would be the life of the mother. And so, yeah. w- this is from an ethics standpoint. And now, and that's that's not to say that terminating the pregnancy would be a good thing. It's not right. a good thing, but it's a necessary thing for the validity of the life that can continue right. on. Well, and again, that's that's why they call it hard cases, right? Sure. That's why it calls yeah, those, I think you again, go around like all day. I feel like you could chase oh, yeah. it more. Like it's those are yeah, those are all yeah. that and again that's what I'm pointing. Those are a very, very, very few few cases, right? Yeah. Uh, rape and incest yeah. are less than two percent. That being said, Christians do really, really well to be careful not to overgeneralize and to treat each case in a way that is loving and compassionate um, and respects a person's case. Because I think too often we just want to lump everybody into one camp um, and we want to, you know, throw those things at people. And you run into scenarios like that all the time. You run into the high school girl whose mom forced her. You run into the woman who got an abortion and then became a Christian two or three years later. You run into those victims of circumstance. And um, I think Christians got to be really careful 
when they when they deal with something like that, especially in a realm of something as sensitive and, and politically charged as yeah. what we're talking about today. So And I know like, you know, people that have had kids, I've never heard of someone saying, you know what, I wish I aborted my child. I've yeah. never heard I've never heard someone say that. Or I've I've heard plenty of people say, I wish I hadn't gotten an abortion. But I've never heard someone say, I wish I had an abortion, I'll have my child. Yeah. Ironically enough, I've not even ever heard of somebody uh, who wished they hadn't had a child with a incredibly significant birth defect, whether that was autism or Down. Yeah, I haven't or, heard that either. Like someone with Down syndrome or autism, I've never heard someone say, "I wish I had an abortion and had my child." Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all all incredibly interesting things. Well, um, guys, that kind of that kind of wraps up uh, what we're dealing with today any last final comments joshua kayla i know you guys are i would i would just encourage uh, our listeners you know one thing i try to teach my students especially in christian ethics is my job isn't to tell you how to think i'm, I'm not right. here to tell you be pro-life or anti-drug or you know pro-gmo or whatever the issue may be my job is to help you think christianly about issues And so I would encourage our listeners to go to the Bible, figure out what principles have bearing on the case, and then use those principles and don't waver from them. And that'll lead you to a right decision. Right. No, I I agree. Um, Like I said, this is again one of those things that uh, I feel like, I don't know why, but I feel like the next several podcasts are all going to be very uh, hot button issues. Um, Just the list of topics that we've got down to run through and this just kind of kicked it off. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. I think this is one of those things that everything's got to be taken, um, you know, with, with that bit of every bit of grace that we want people to show us. So, Hmm. but guys, as always, thank you so much for being, I feel like a used salesman. I'm waving my arms around. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and watching or listening a little bit different environment tonight, right? Clearly, uh, we are, in a, a little bit different space, a little bit different time frame. I told Joshua before we hopped on here, guys, you really ought to subscribe to this YouTube channel or our Spotify list or, or whatever it is you're listening or watching us on. Subscribe, like this, turn on the notifications. I am recording this. Joshua doesn't care as much, but I do. I'm recording this in the middle of the NFL draft just for you guys. I'm missing everything. I'm about to go nuts because the Tennessee Titans just traded their best wide receiver so they could trade up uh, like four picks to draft a wide receiver who is going to be available at their draft pick. So uh, I'm complaining about that now. When you listen to this way later, that will already have happened, and you'll go, yeah, he should get over that, but it's okay. Um, Kayla, thank you so much for being on. What you guys are not going to see or hear in this particular podcast is because Joshua and Kayla are married, they're actually going to continue to talk about this for like the next hour. Um, And you're not going to get any of that commentary, uh, which is unfortunate because one of you will say something that you'll go, man, I should have said that while we were recording and it's okay. I'm probably just going to get yelled at. I'll forgive you. So, uh, but anyway, uh, thank you, Kayla, so much for being on. We really appreciate it. Um, Guys, as always, uh, if you have a topic that you want us to cover, comment on this video or another video, uh, reach out to myself or Joshua. You can find us both on, you cannot find us, but you can find me on Facebook. You can find Joshua on uh, on Instagram. I forgot about that. Uh, but 
if you're in the the Middle Tennessee area, specifically Murfreesboro, uh, go see Joshua over at the Salem Creek Church of Christ. If you're ever in Obion County, I'm at the Troy Church of Christ. Uh, shameless self promotion. We are not above it. Um, anything else, Joshua? Before we log off, I think I'm good, man. Yep. Awesome, guys. Thank you so much for being here, and uh, we'll catch you next time.